Uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. In the interest of promoting some critical thought today, I'm going to lob a thought grenade on an important topic in the hopes that you will consider devoting some time to thinking about the question. In my experience, asking questions has been the best place to start. I'm going to ask some questions and hope you'll be able to resist the urge to dismiss them or just invoke your team's dogma on the subject. In 2023, illiteracy has become not being able to change your mind based on new information or even consider any contrary information. A lot of people just believe something is true because they really want it to be. They need it to be. I mean, think about it. If you join a group, you start being vocal about the group's agenda, you're surrounded by people who think the same way, you become very confident and you think you're right. And the other side starts looking more and more dangerous. You can't believe they feel what they feel or think what they think. You're lured into thinking you are superior and righteous and you think they're inferior. And because they pose a danger to the rest of the sane thinking citizens, the ones that really care, if we're being honest, it's okay to censor their speech. It's okay to try to get them fired from their job. It's okay to prevent them from participating in society and so on and so on. It just keeps escalating, right? Because that echo chamber you're in prevents and suppresses any opposition or opposite views. It has to because you just believe, right? And true, true believers are unable to debate the issues in good faith because they didn't arrive at their conclusion based on all the evidence, any of the evidence, reasons, facts, right? They didn't investigate both sides and really put some thought into an issue. And if you ask them, hey, what would it take to change your mind? They'll say, well, I don't know, or nothing. This is my new go-to move, and y you have to try it. So next time someone makes a claim you deem to be an emotional one, or you simply want to gauge how much work the other person has put into something, like a topic, ask them what the other side has to do to change their mind. Oh, it's so good. And I know I've brought this up before, and it may not seem like a big deal, but for me, trying to talk with people who think differently, I found it to be perhaps the best way to illustrate to someone that maybe, just maybe, emotion is driving the bus. By simply asking the person what it would take to change their mind, how they answer that question should give you the insight into how they arrive there. Try it out. I've been applying it every chance I get, including on my wife and my kids and my friends and my family. It's really, really effective. So let's try and block the emotion and really think about the question. Okay, we had another school shooting the other day, and the conversations are going to center around guns. And this trend has become very sad for me. We keep missing the point when we just get into our groups and have the same tired and childish political, I almost said debate, it's, just, it's really just an irrational screaming match. No one is listening to the other side. No one is willing to make compromises or agree on anything. Like anything that affects many people, it's freaking complicated. It's a complex system with many interwoven systems within it. There's no simple answers. Nothing you can fit on a poster board will solve this problem. 
And that's the childish part. Really? No guns will solve the problem? Really? More guns will solve the problem? I mean, grow up. We're not even talking about the cause. Like with our current healthcare model, we are trying to treat a symptom rather than looking at the cause of it. Back in the day, if you got sick, you called the doctor or sent a carrier pigeon or Pony Express, whatever, he would come to your house, he would check you out, and then he would check out your house, your barn, your animals. He checked the whole environment out, did some sciencey shit, did some Sherlock Holmes shit, and then he gave you a very specific diagnosis based on your individual circumstances. He was there looking for a cause of why you were the way you were. Let's figure that out so we can fix the problem. To me, what is causing people to behave like this is the first question that needs to be asked and answered. Everything downstream of the cause are just symptoms. Why this saddens me is because no matter where you land on the gun debate, I feel like everyone agrees that innocent people being shot is unacceptable and for the most part avoidable. But then the political machine takes over and the victims become cannon fodder to make the other side look bad or to try to make your point. Like what has to happen to a person to make them think it's okay to walk into a school and shoot kids? Please consider that question. The gun didn't make him do it. So can we focus on what caused that person to do what they did? When I do that, I end up being blown away with the level of mental illness or unwellness it would take to make me do that, right? Then I get to a place where, well, it's more likely that something synthetic is causing that level of crazy, something novel, something new, not seen on this scale before. Guns have been around since the 10th century, yet this phenomenon feels modern. So in my brain, it makes more sense that this behavior is a result of something. So what is that common link? Are we looking into that? Where is the mass shooter scoreboard? Where are the charts and graphs that are being used to identify similarities? I'm a fan of looking into what has changed. If something was not a problem, and now it is, what has changed? And the question I would like you to ponder is this. Are the side effects from, I don't know, prescription drugs causing people to behave this way? I mean, think about it. Forget the guns for a second. Let's just focus on the cause. What would have to happen to a person for them to put mass murder of kids on their to-do list for the day? For me, I come to three likely causes. A mental breakdown, right? No premeditation, you just snap. Your brain breaks and see you later. Or drugs, and maybe blackmail slash radicalization. So in my rational brain, it would take one of those three things to make me do something that I would not otherwise ever consider in a hundred lifetimes. And if I had to rate them from most likely to least likely, it would be drugs, a mental breakdown, and then the blackmail slash radicalization. Since 66% of Americans are currently on prescription medication, that seems like a good place to start. So when I asked Google, hey, what are the top five antidepressants? I get the, the five well-known FDA-approved SSRIs to treat depression are Celexa, Lexapro, Prozac, Paxil, and Zoloft. So let's look at Celexa. 
You Google the side effects, and then you get the more common side effects list, which includes sweating, including hot flashes, tremors, digestive system problems such as nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, upset stomach, and constipation, fatigue, sleepiness, muscle and joint aches, insomnia, anxiety, or feeling agitated, appetite changes, weight gain, or weight loss. Okay, not bad. But let's look at the serious side effects. Serious side effects from Celexa aren't common, but they can occur. Call your doctor right away if you have serious side effects. Call 911 if your symptoms feel life-threatening or you think you're having a medical emergency. Serious side effects in their symptoms can include the following, suicidal thinking and behavior. Symptoms can include thoughts of harming yourself, worsening depression or anxiety, feeling agitated or irritable, easily upset or frustrated, aggressiveness, behaviors or feelings that aren't normal for you, withdrawal symptoms when you stop using the drug. Well, Jesus, that escalated. And every antidepressant on that list has the same warnings. If you look deep enough in the literature for these drugs, you'll see that they have a box warning. Okay, what the hell is a box warning? Boxed warnings, formerly known as black box warnings, are the highest safety-related warning that medications can have assigned by the FDA. These warnings are intended to bring the consumer's attention to major risks of the drug. Over 400 different medications currently have boxed warnings. And when you click on the little link to see Celexa's boxed warning, this is what pops up. This drug has a boxed warning. This is the most serious warning from the FDA. A boxed warning trusted source alerts doctors and patients about drugs effects that may be dangerous. According to short-term studies, antidepressants such as Celexa may increase your risk of suicidal thinking and behavior in people younger than the age of 25. This includes children, adolescents, and young adults. Celexa isn't approved to treat children. If you're taking Celexa and notice a change in your mood and behavior, or have thoughts about harming yourself, tell your doctor right away. Your loved ones should watch for these signs too. It's important to stay in touch with your doctor throughout your treatment so they can track your progress and response to the medication. Okay, so for me, if a drug can make you think suicide is the best thing you can do that day, what else can it make you think? Thoughts of harming yourself, feeling agitated and irritable, easily upset and frustrated, aggressiveness, behaviors or feelings that aren't normal. All those things I feel like would be needed to walk into a school and start shooting. Can we agree that the gunmen and gunwomen who commit these atrocities are more likely to be on an antidepressant? What's the common description of the shooters? Have they been the most popular kids in school? Captain of the fucking sports team? Every girl wants to be with them and every guy wants to be him? Or is it, well, they kept to themselves. They were quiet, a loner, loser. They got picked on. Who will have a higher likelihood of needing an antidepressant, which contains SSRIs? Those are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. This is where the drug artificially raises your serotonin levels by preventing them from being absorbed by receptors in your brain. Again, we're just dealing with the symptom of lower serotonin levels rather than addressing why the fuck they're low in the first place. Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, those SSRIs, which are in every freaking antidepressant drug nowadays, increases the risk of suicidal thinking and behavior in pediatric patients. It seems like a logical place to start because in science, disproving ideas is sometimes way easier than proving them. And it also seems to me that disproving a link 
between antidepressants among the shooters is very achievable, and this could be done tomorrow if they wanted to. What is causing this to happen? And why do we keep letting it happen? Just forget the political solution you think you have, okay? Because whatever it is, it will not be quick enough to prevent the next one, okay? Our, our, our system is not designed to move quickly, and that is on purpose. We don't want to overreact on a fad. However, if we have something that spans a few administrations and election cycles that people deem a fucking worthy cause, I don't know, like protecting children, then something will happen. But this isn't going to be a quick process, so forget your little political solution, you think that if they did it tomorrow, it would fix the problem because that doesn't exist. <sighs> anyway, oh, and furthermore, breaking a law doesn't seem to be a deterrent. So just outlawing shit is not going to solve the problem. There are over 300 plus million guns in the United States. Okay, they're not going anywhere in the near future. So let's be an adult and understand those realities. And to go back to the question, why do we keep letting this happen? Are you telling me we cannot design a secure structure to prevent unwanted people from getting inside? Are you telling me in 2023 we lack the technology to keep kids safe in school? Are you telling me we can't prevent an untrained, mentally ill person from entering a school? These aren't Navy fucking SEALs using their elite commando training to gain entry and use expert marksmanship to execute people. You're telling me we can't implement systems to ensure you cannot enter a school with a firearm? Well, Nick, we don't have the money to do that. Careful. You know, by you flying that Ukrainian flag outside your house, you might be wandering into hypocrisy territory. Not having the money is no longer an acceptable answer. So please do not let anyone use that. In June of 2020, the Government Accountability Office reported that more than 1 million dead people got $1.4 billion in stimulus checks. By September of 2021, the Government Accountability Office admitted 2.2 million payments flowed to dead people and costs exceeded $3.6 billion. The Internal Revenue Service administered the stimulus program, but the agency didn't check the Social Security's deceased person list before cutting the checks. So the IRS asked for the money back, but dead people are notoriously bad at paying up. The National Institute of Health, the NIH, their National Cancer Institute, gave Stanford University researchers $6.9 million of taxpayer money to build a toilet with three cameras including one that could identify the user's anal print. The toilet monitors urine and stool for signs of disease, including cancer. So now we have anal recognition software in toilets on the taxpayer dime. The Center for Disease Control, the old CDC, gave $2.1 million of taxpayer money to the Family Guidance Association of Ethiopia to teach sex education to female commercial sex workers. The education included HIV testing, counseling, and other STI screening and treatments in 2019, as well as free condom distribution, family planning, and tuberculosis screening that was also included. Prostitution is illegal in Ethiopia, okay? Money is not the problem. We, we are the problem. We are not coming together on the common ground of doing our best work to prevent this from happening again. The fact that we are divided, fighting over gun ownership, gun rights, what types of fucking guns, 
that just distracts us from doing anything to prevent this from happening again. I watched the security camera footage from the most recent school shooting. I watched an untrained, mentally ill 28-year-old woman shoot the glass door and walk into the school, kill three nine-year-olds and three adults. That, that's our best work, right? That, that's what makes me sad. A locked glass door is the best we can fucking do. Instead of taking to social media with thoughts and prayers or see this is why we need gun control before you use the victims to virtue signal how fucking compassionate you are, I challenge you to ask yourself some questions. Why aren't we doing everything we can do to stop this? How many more kids have to die before we unite and work together? Because if we unite on trying to figure out why and unite on preventing this from happening like by fucking tomorrow, history has shown us positive change will take place at a very accelerated pace. So take off your group identity name tag and put on your hello, I'm whatever your name is, put that name tag on. No group identity bullshit, just identify as a fellow human being suffering every day just like everyone else that is interested in working together to fix a very, very fixable problem. Free!